On the show today, pour out a new Coca-Cola, exposition, and it's almost like I can touch it in three, two, one. We got to figure out some kind of a, a standardized opening, like have a have have a lovely Moops Day, everybody, a magnificent Moops Day, and a happy Halloween. I don't even know what that means. Exactly, Moops Day is a new day. I'm adding because seven was not enough. So instead of Fun Day, we're getting Moops Day. Exactly. You have Monday, then Moops Day, then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Fun Day and then Saturday, Sunday, and then Sunday, second Sunday. So I hate this already. We got 10 days in a row. Anyway, uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to Total Pebble Knockdown, which is releasing on one of those 10 days in the week. My name is Nathan. And I am Alex, one day of the week, probably. (laughs) And the other nine, who knows? We are going to kick off with a weekly muse, as we oft do here on the show, uh, because, Alex, you want to tell them what we are musing about this week? Sure. I can. T- I uh, found an article. <clears throat> I think you found one of your own as well, but um, we had done a section a while back about, uh, I, think, I think it was also a one more thing, but it was about uh, there being way too many launchers for games. Yeah, looks like that's correcting itself a bit. Yeah, um, so Bethesda's launcher mm-hmm. will be shutting down mm-hmm. come May, and uh, uh, the world rejoiced. <laughs> yes, because apparently it wasn't very useful, and <laughs> people were not very happy with it. Um, now, of course, we know why Bethesda wanted to do that, because they don't really want to, you know, shell out the 30% for Steam sales if they can avoid it. Yeah. Um, But it wasn't going very well, and of course the first question that everybody has is, wait, if I actually did buy stuff on the Bethesda launcher, one, why? But Why did I do this? Why did I do that? But also, if you did, am I going to lose uh, my data? And uh, the answer is no, uh, because all of this is going to be... Uh, getting transferred over to Steam, you can you can transfer it over, including your wallet um, and any of the stuff that you have bought. Uh, and um, so, I guess there's something. There's something. I guess friends lists also are going to go with you. So, you know, some manual transfers are going to be required. Um, but most saved games will also transfer over to Steam. Interestingly enough, there is one exception to your save games transferring over to Steam. All at 76. No, we'll get Damn. into 76 in a second, though. That's a whole kettle of fish. No, uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood. Don't know why. Oh, okay. Yeah, who? I don't know. Uh, you never played Wolfenstein. Have you played no. Wolfenstein games? Um, Not since they were fake 3D graphics. Not since they were fake 3D graphics? Oh, yeah. okay. You remember them when they were the sprites, the old ones. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. And so you haven't played, like, the machine game 
no. ones from the modern day. Okay, I have. No. I've, I've played those. They were they were good, and then Youngblood came along. I I didn't mind it, but it wasn't <laughs> the best. It wasn't the best. Uh, but uh, anyway, so uh, existing Bethesda.net accounts. Uh, yeah, aren't going to go away uh, from the PC Gamer article. They will continue to exist and be used to log into games and services that require it, like, speaking of which, Fallout 76. Um, which actually led me to a different article that was about 76, because people are probably wondering about that. They're saying that 76 is going to have all of your data and everything sent over and people will be able to get it on Steam. And my thought is, yes, because everything else that they've said about that game has worked out perfectly. Uh, well, I mean, I don't see how that would be an issue itself because it's not like they're taking the servers for 76 and migrating those servers to somewhere else or changing the data on them. Yeah. They're just... I, I kind of just like launching the game from steam so they need to have steam needs to have access to those servers for that sure i don't feel like it should be an issue i don't really know much about server logistics however right well the only thing that i would worry about is if they had any problems with cross play because if it was like one platform to another platform and you were playing it on one but i think that they pretty much built it as a cross i would certainly hope they built it as a cross platform uh in in the first place um, but, uh, yeah, 76, they do, they, they are trying to allay any fears and say that everything that you've had will indeed transfer over. Uh, no word if you are a Fallout First subscriber, if you have <clears throat> anything anyway. But, um, that's a whole other issue. Uh, you will be able to continue to play Fallout 76 again. If you are. Well, yeah, the few the, the people that are. <laughs> I keep thinking to myself, maybe, maybe, because I'm going back and playing a lot of games that I haven't picked up in many years. Maybe I'll go back and see 76 for a bit. I've it, it will be the third time I try jumping into the game, but I know that they've done a lot of updates. Um, third time's a charm, Nathan. Third time's a charm. Maybe eventually I'll be happy with it. I did it. When it first came out, I did it after the Settlers expansion, the Wasteland mm -hmm. Settlers, because I was like, oh, maybe there's actual game here now. <laughs> and, uh, and, and maybe I'll go into it uh, again just to see. But um, I never had a particularly favorable impression of it. Uh, everything saved on your characters, including your camp and shelters, will remain with those characters through the migration, is what they say in the FAQ. Um, and uh, current friends list will also migrate with you. So hopefully, assuming that everything works correctly, you'll still get to play Fallout 76? Or if all things goes even better, the game will implode and you won't have to waste any more time on it. And you can just go back to playing Fallout 4 with a billion mods. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. They have, they have mods for multiplayer on that anyways, I think. Uh, I bet they do. So uh, my my guess here for the next launcher to kill itself, <laughs> can we say that? Um, to to the uh, next I, launcher to slowly die. Yeah, to slowly die. Um, hopefully Origin. I don't really know how Origin is doing. I don't know. 
The only thing I ever use Origin for is for The Sims, because I own them through Origin. Well, the, the other reason I wonder about Origin is that EA also has EA Play. And it yeah. seems like that's what they're banking on. That's the one that's integrated into Xbox uh, Game Pass anyway. Uh, so, like, I have Game Pass. EA Play is included in it. It just is. And I basically have access to a an entire library of EA games, so I don't know why Origin exists. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's an older one. Do you remember games for Windows Live? Yeah, tell me that. That died pretty great. Yeah. Oh, here's a fun one that I, I have to occasionally use is the Amazon Game Store. Have you oh, jeez. But that's only because the only reason I have that, in similar fashion to kind of like why we have Epic, um, is that if you go on to Twitch and you have like Twitch Prime, and oh, right. the games, a lot of times free games to claim are over on the Amazon. Sometimes they're on GOG. Sometimes they're gotcha. on the Amazon. Not that I'll ever play half of them, but, you know, I've got them. Free game is a free game. Free game is a free game. A lot of them I don't know if I'll play, but who knows? One day I'll feel wacky and play one of the ones I never thought I'd pick up. In. They're going to play another dating sim. Huzzah! Yeah, those don't come up very often in the launchers for the free games. That's because people want their the bang for their buck. Or their bang for their bang. You're welcome. <laughs> In similar Bethesda news, <laughs> right around the time that they announced the uh, permanent dirt nap that Bethesda's launcher would be taking, uh, that would be going to Steam, they um, also announced that there are some old free uh, Bethesda games that are going to be available over on Steam. So I oh, did good. check that out, uh, which includes... And this probably doesn't surprise anyone because they practically give these away anyway. Uh, Elder Scrolls 1 and 2, so Arena and Daggerfall. And mm -hmm. uh, Wolfenstein, Enemy Territory. That's an old one. Didn't know that was a thing, but it's fine. Yeah, I think um, if I'm looking at this correctly, Splash Damage was making note of it that it was their first game that is now finally available on Steam. And it's like Wolfenstein, but it was made to be like more of a multiplayer, I guess probably like a Call of Duty sort of thing. Oh. But Wolf okay. Wolfenstein. But, okay. But that's an oldie. Uh, they say after nearly 19 years. <laughs> was, there, was there any news of Elder Scrolls 6? There's, I mean, anything more <laughs> than the nice uh, screensaver that we've gotten <laughs> this entire time. Um, the only information that they seem to be giving out is mostly for Starfield, which they still insist is coming out at the end of this year, I believe. Hey, you know what? Any year is still before Star Citizen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice to see it out this year, but again, out. It's a Bethesda game. When is it going to not have, you know... Yeah, out does not mean playable. Yeah. It means, hey, we've got a framework here and buy it. Yeah, exactly. We've we've seen this before, uh, and uh, with Bethesda games themselves. But I mean, mm. I'm glad to see that Starfield is not dead. But also, the uh, maybe the launcher is kind of part of this is that Bethesda really does need, at least Bethesda Game Studios, really do need like a solid win. <laughs> soon 
think a lot of companies are in that boat right now. Yeah, yeah. But that that is for a different to- uh, time to talk about. That is that is a different conversation altogether. But in the meantime, long and short, Bethesda Net, we pour yeah. one out for you. No, we don't. We pour a Nuka Cola out for you. <laughs> no, that sounds radioactive. It is. Wham bam oh, well. alakazam. Bethesda just make better games and stop being dumb. Make better games. That's a hot take. <laughs> yeah. Or make games that you know your games are fine when you when you work on them. You know, finish them. <laughs> when you when yeah, Bethesda. Remember when you made like excellent titles, and then then you sold out for a bit. Let's not do that, please. <laughs> I mean, hey, look, they did say that, like, Starfield is supposed to be a, a single-player focused experience. So, hey, already about, already looking <laughs> good. I appreciate that. Okay, so up next on the show, we have Delving Deeper, uh, because it is the uh, closest thing we could think to categorize this in. But very exciting news is that uh, Alex and Ray went to PAX East this year, surprisingly enough. Surprise, surprise to me too. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the reason that's a surprise is because we didn't really plan it that far ahead. Yeah. Um, turns out we had a concert in Boston uh, on the Saturday that weekend. Mm-hmm. And we had planned this a couple months ago, um, you know, been like, all right, let's let's do that. So I took the weekend off, requested a couple days off from work or whatever. She requested a couple days off from work so we could just, you know, have a free weekend. Sure. Um, do whatever. Have have fun. Whatever. So a um, couple like two, two, three weeks ago now, I was like just randomly looking up what there was to do in Boston. And I was like, hey, PAX East. It's like, wait, yeah. when's PAX? And then I looked and went, oh shit, PAX is the weekend we're already in Boston. So I was like, hey, do you want to go to PAX on Sunday? Because um, all the four-day and two-day passes were like, Saturday was all sold out. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, And so she's like, yeah, okay, sounds fun. So we got to get PAX. We got a hotel in Boston. We went to the Museum of Science during the day on Saturday, walked around for several hours, uh, several hours, then went to a concert and jammed for several hours. Perfect. Um, and then Sunday we spent at PAX, which I've never been to before. Oh. And Ray's never been to before, and I don't think you've ever been either. So. No. Although, before we move on, you should probably tell us who the concert was. I don't think that's important for the segment of the show. Oh, so the audience is just going to wonder forever. They're going to wonder forever. Okay. Unnamed. Bling, ding, 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 ding. Just dueling yeah, banjos was, for four yeah, hours. Dudes from dueling banjos. Okay, great. Definitely. All right. So, yeah, PAX East. Never been? So you have some preconceptions about it, I think, already, right? Sure. I, I think I think we want to start this segment off really quick with a. Just gonna ask. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you wanted to ask me a couple questions that you okay. can think of, and then I'll just tell you if it's true or false. Okay, that sounds. Or great. or something similar. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so my first preconception about it is um, that uh, are are there a lot of furries? 
I mean, the day we went, there weren't a lot of them, there but was there were. Number. There was a number. Okay. I saw at least three Hatsune Mikus. It's not a furry, by the way. That's just a Vocaloid okay. thing that people cosplay as. Yeah. I was going to then ask the follow-up question is, are a lot of people in cosplay? Yeah, there there was a fair amount of people. Like, there were more people not in cosplay, obviously, because mm-hmm. that would be insane. Um, but there there was a good amount of people dressed up in cosplays of all sorts, even just, like, simple ones. Okay. Um, so, the other thing I was kind of wondering about is, uh, is it more focused on video games or on tabletop? I want to say the bigger stuff is focused on video games. Make like... It's it's it has a lot of both. Obviously, it's got a lot of tabletop and a lot of space on one side of it for like free play mm-hmm. tabletop or tournaments or things like that. So there's a ton of tables and chairs set up for playing games. Okay. And there was stuff set up so you could like try a game. You could go grab a game from the shelf mm-hmm. of their selection, bring it to the table for free and play it. Oh, cool. Okay. You know, so you could try out games for no cost, which is which is cool. If you planned on going, uh, I think if you planned and wanted to go just to try out games like that and just fit in as many as you could, you, you could, um, but you would need to plan out your your day, I think, around that. Um, yeah. But uh, on the on the video game side, though, it was a lot of like bigger displays and like bigger companies obviously they typically have a lot more money than the tabletop companies do so like mm. gearbox was there cool you know and they had this big huge setup with tons of computers and uh systems so you could play like either uh probably tiny tinas is what they had they had uh people handing out stuff and they had like a huge just display like that was all like fancy oh larian was there and they were do- doing ah. stuff for Baldur's Gate 3. And then people uh, they had people that were, I think, working for them in full cosplay outfits, costumes of the characters, I think. A whole, like, whole setup there with, like, a castle and everything for their area. Okay. So uh, the video games definitely had more space and was a lot more grandiose. Like, the Intel side of it, like, mm. Intel had a giant section. Oh, yeah. Where they were doing stuff, so. Yeah. Now, in, like, Boston Fig, the uh, digital and the analog, essentially, were on two different levels. Did Was it all shared on one floor, or did... Yeah, it was, it was all, like, the convention floor. It okay. was, like, one side was video game and one side was tabletop. Yeah. But they had talks and stuff going out uh, throughout it, too. Okay. Because uh, I know I mentioned it to you, and you looked it up and saw some. Those were more, I think, on the second floor and further out. Um, where they had like conference rooms and things like that. Okay, okay. Um, Follow up questions on uh, Gearbox and Larian. Uh, so Gearbox was was Randy there, and did he pull out a deck of cards? Um, I do not know, and I do not know. Perfect. Also, no, no, no it's fine. Ah, good. Okay. <laughs> For a second, I was like, wait, is Randy behind me right now? <laughs> Randy's behind you right now. And uh, Larian, did Larian have any information about the um, the official launch, essentially, of Baldur's Gate Three? No idea. I didn't actually go into the booth or listen to anything. They had like they had de- a lot of the so a lot of the video game side was demos. Okay. It was like 
uh, indie studios and uh, video games like here come and try our game you know all this sure. stuff have a like take a 30 minute demo five minute demo whatever um, so it's come and try the game play it stuff like that that's okay. what it seemed like all right I did not play any demos we just kind of wandered around a lot okay um, in terms of like the actual tournament part because I know that they do play some tournaments is it mostly the uh, structured uh, tournament plays for like the the uh, tabletop side or is it more like you were talking about with the uh, is, is there a bigger focus on the individual tables where it's kind of I, you want? I do not know because I don't think there were any tournaments going on on Sunday and if there were I did not know I, I didn't or look didn't into care. it that hard <laughs> yeah speaking of which on terms of activity there uh, I know that they were having quite a few panel discussions did you go to any of those no that would have taken like signing up for it and scheduling and that's too much no, just, I met up with a, a friend of mine who goes like every year who's gone for like the last 10 years and he helped kind of us wander around and oh good they had a lot of food trucks though so we got some delicious food excellent excellent um on tabletop side because we, we kind of focus on that side a bit more, I think. Um, it's a lot smaller, a lot more condensed, but there are booths, you know. Most of that were, you know, the designers and the people working on their booths, uh, depending on these. There was a lot of merch tables, but not just merch. So, like, video games, yeah, there was merch, controllers, glasses, um, all things like that. Tabletop, there were like several different places selling like dice and dice accessories and RPG accessories like that. Perfect. Um, so I did get some stuff. I spent far too much at PAX, I think, in general. Um, That's what they want. But I, I did get some stuff. Obviously, you 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 keep the lanyard. Oh sure. You know, it's for Intel. Oh, it's Intel um, inside. Intel, it's inside you. Is there a the tracking PAX chip in the thing? You don't need to know about that. Okay. Um, somebody, I don't know what this is for. It's just a little keychain thing. It's oh, a little cute dragon hey. thing. I think Ray got a uh, uh, same guy gave her a, a pin that's got a dog on it. So she loves it. Perfect. Um, we got this thing. If you're on Steam, there should be a, a free game that is, uh, you can do in VR if you have VR. Um, I think it's called Cypher's Game. Oh, you got a memory stick? Yeah, it's just USB for it. Um, yeah. But it's, I guess, Poland had made it. Like, the Institute of National Remembrance has to do with, like, the Enigma code and everything like that. And it's a 3D and uh, virtual reality, like, whole experience. Like, a history. It's not a game game. It's a history game type deal. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it has much gameplay in it itself, but it's, like, interactive history, okay. um, which is really neat. I got a couple of these. You'll see these next time we play D and D. But I picked up from uh, Dungeon Dice had a uh, booth there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can't remember where you got your dice from. It wasn't Dungeon Dice, was it? No, I think it was D and D Dice. Okay, there was also like Level Up Dice and uh, something else. There was a big one that had a giant booth of like eight people working in it. So it was like set up kind of like glass counters in a square with the people in the middle. Yeah. That was what? intense, like super expensive dice. Was like Kraken there? Uh, Chessix was there. I don't know if Kraken dice was there, okay. but I got these cool coins. Oh, wow. These are full metal dungeon dice. Well, no. No. Yes, but no. These are 
You can see it. I know. I know oh, are podcast. those spinner ones? Nope. These are inspiration dice. Uh, oh. Sorry, inspiration coins. It's just a token you can give a player when you give them inspiration, inspiration? so they don't fucking forget they have inspiration <laughs> for D&D. Uh, or fate points or whatever like that. You could just I did, down on your sheet. But... I did stop and see yeah. our long time of the old show and my personal long time Twitter friend, um, Jason Anarchy. Got to meet him uh. finally. Made a joke about getting him uh, some McRibs if I could have. Yeah, they're not. But we available. picked up his game. Your friend is sad. Perfect. Um, he signed it. Of course, he signed it. Nice. And it says, "Never cheer up, sad face." Perfect. And his signature. Yeah, um, your friend is sad. That sounds yep. like such an uplifting game. I remembered seeing when he did this. He had a, a bunch of all of his games there. It was really great. But it was nice to be able to like. Uh, meet him finally after like kind of being knowing him for like five years and having him on our show a couple times. Sure. Um, yeah, I, sadly we ordered t-shirts that would have said hi. I'm like, like I'm EXP limited oh, and had yeah. like a total pop knockdown on the back. So instead of that, uh, I didn't wear that because it did not arrive in time. Happy noise. Um, it was either wearing my chug lock shirt from the first run of Drinking Quest that and he was I was telling him I'm like I was thinking about wearing the Chuglock shirt just so you could be like hey um and he's like yeah I haven't made t-shirts since then he's like wow that's OG yeah <laughs> um in lieu of that I wore um our TPK shirt cause Perfect. brand rep yeah absolutely um armor class 10 was there oh. I think um, I think, uh, I didn't, I, something else. Um, so I talked to Jason. I also saw our, uh, other person we've talked to before, uh, Breeze Gigas. Breeze, yes. From Aegis, which has a, another Kickstarter coming out soon. If you're looking for it, it's, I believe, Aegis Second, second Ignition. And he was telling me that one of the things that they added to that one that was much requested was a solo mode to play the game. Oh, cool. So you don't have to have a friend. You can just play with robots. Also, uh, he suggested we have him on for a show where we talk about the top 10, top 20 uh, big robot animes. Oh, so good. we'll have to get in touch with him about that. And I was like, I don't think Nathan really watches anime, so I don't know if he can add any. He's like, perfect. Even better then. <laughs> yeah, that's even great. Um, one thing I do want to show you I got, which I'm wearing because... Gigantors is a thing. Gigantors. So I got a uh, another shirt. I'm sorry on the podcast. You can't see this. But, yeah. um... Oh! Dungeons and Dragons, and it looks yeah, like the this Dunkin' nice, Donuts. This Dunkin' Donuts logo shirt. Adventures run from Adventures dragons. Adventures come from dragons. Um, um, speaking of... So the fun thing with that one is they um, make the shirts there. They have a selection of shirts and a sure. t-shirt press and all the, and the things there. And they press your shirts for you. Oh, like wow. on, the, on the site. Oh, um, I got great. this one, and Ray got one that was Settlers of Cat. Oh, it's a, a Catan box with a cat in it, with the arm over the rest of Catan. Oh, so it's yeah. just Settlers of Cat. Settlers of Cat, perfect. Yeah. Uh, I should ask since uh, it's you know RPGs and a lot of Dungeons and Dragons was Wizards, or anybody from Dungeons and Dragons there. 
I don't think, um, did we see any, like, specifically D&D or Wizards of the Coast when we were there? I don't think we did. I assume they would have had a bigger, like, a big booth Oh, I would think it would be there. pretty prominent. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. Um, I, I guess my friend that we met up with there was telling me that it was, like, 60% of what it usually is. Yeah. Because pandemic and all that stuff. Like, still had to wear a mask all the time, which, which is fine. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's like, yeah, this is, he's like, usually all the space here is like taken up with whatever. And like, there's all this extra space that is usually filled. Sure. <clears throat> so it's, I guess, a smaller year than it usually was still, which is, again, fine. Um, but it's just really interesting. So a lot of it is, is demos. Yeah. I want to say like both sides is there's places to play games, places to learn games to try games for free and to be fair yes a lot of it is trying to sell you stuff sure as as per an expo yeah um there were coats that my friend tyler spent far too long trying on that were like five or five to eight hundred dollar coats i think they were super human oh okay i think is that the brands that like um Critical Role guy possibly does yeah. maybe they're like Ezio looking coats oh stuff like okay. that cool I don't remember um but like some of the stuff definitely catered to like people I with a lot of disposable money yeah. um one of the other things he showed me too was because he had been walking around since Thursday at PAX um you know dice towers how people love their dice towers and oh, their sure. dice mats and all those things okay well they had people that had parts of those set up too, you know, showing off these nice, well-crafted wood and other dice towers, and there was a dice tower and tray set made of some kind of ebony wood. Oh, beautiful. Nice. It's very pretty. Oh, yeah. Um, guess how much the set of the, tr the tower and tray was? Oh, probably about 2,000? That's a bit more. I think you're just highballing it. Yeah. On purpose. No, because I've, I've seen some things that are, like, if you were to get, um, God, what are, are they, the magnesium or whatever, the, the big dice that are, like, the super heavy dice, those are, like, 2,000. Like those titanium? Are, no, not titanium. Um, the, uh... I wouldn't want to use magnesium for a dice because it would light on fire and stay on fire forever. Okay, it's not the magnesium. <laughs> What's the super heavy metal that's heavier than lead? Gold. No, <laughs> It's not going. <laughs> but anyway, they make tungsten. Tungsten. There you okay. go. Tungsten steel. Um, they have tungsten dice, that, like the D20s that are about this big, that are about two and a half thousand. No, <laughs> nobody needs that. Please stop. Um, the dice tower and tray that I looked at was nine hundred dollars. Oh, okay. You know, a just steal. a steal. Just a literally. You'd literally have to steal it. Um, Can I put it under my giant Ezio coat? <laughs> Yeah, um, the coats are cool looking. I don't think you'd ever have a reason to wear them. Uh, Unless you had a lot of like fancy dress stuff or just like, out. I mean, they looked kind of like motorcycle jackets. Sure. Without the protection of being a motorcycle jacket. You know what you could do is that if you're out in Salem, just wander in the streets, that's fine. Sure, sure, sure. Or if you're cosplaying as, as an assassin. 
Um, I mean, just just any day in sale. I was in Salem, Mass. one time just to, like, tour around in the day. And there was a, there was a dude that was out with, like, full leather, you know, the the adventurer jacket with the sling and with, with like, the elf ears on and the, the cape. And just he came up to me, to us, good morrow, and kept moving along. It's like, yep, typical day. Cool. Typical day in Salem. Um, <laughs> one of the other things that I saw they had were the gaming tables, which are nice. They're they're really well made. They're nice. Really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, the one Tyler again that I was walking around with showed me was like he's like, yeah, this one's like starts at two grand. That one over there is eight grand. I'm like, mm. yeah, I don't got room for that. And if I did have room for that, I'd probably just get a pool table and convert it because it's cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, this one was a, you know, has a, the top of it that you can take off in sections that have rubber gaskets. So if you spill anything on it on the table, it doesn't get underneath it. Oh, sure. Um, and it has the section inset in the bottom uh, underneath the top of it where it's like felt lined or whatever. So you can use it to game on. You can have like cup holders that, that magnetically snap to the sides of it and all this fancy shit. The only thing more fancy than that are the like digital tabletops, which are you, you know, I think something you want to talk about next. Yeah. Uh, so the segue here is very expensive gaming tables. Very um, expensive gaming. Tables, yeah, no, it was man. it was fun. Um, I don't know what I expected really when I went to PAX, but um, it was fun. We kind of were just aimless a lot of it, but it was enjoyable. Sure. Uh, we talked to a few people about games, got to look at a bunch of games and RPGs, and sure. uh, tried not to spend an inordinate amount of money while there. Right, right. You were just Con- rambling through the convention. Considering I only came away with a game by Jason Anarchy. Yeah. I th- Well, I got one more game, but it was like a, a card game that they handed out for free. Oh, good. So I, I guess that counts. But, you know, considering I only came away with a shirt... A game, a couple tokens. It's not too and, bad. And uh, whatever. I'd say it did pretty well. Um, yeah. If I were to go again, I would probably try to figure out, like, what I wanted to do. You'd plan out your day. I'd, I'd plan out, weekend. like, the yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd probably plan it out. Be like, all right, these are games that I'm interested in, or studios I'm interested in seeing. Mm-hmm. Like, demoing the games. Uh, these are games I'm interested in playing or seeing or talks, but like as just an experience to go through, it's not bad. It's it's pretty pretty decent. The other thing is that you could do what we did when we went to Boston Fig and show them that we are actually press. Yeah, but then you have to be impressive. <laughs> Sorry, so I'll anyway, see myself out. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I I know that PAX is for Penny Arcade. Um, I just I'm not very familiar with Penny Arcade, so I don't know if you've ever seen the comics or anything. Nope. Um, I'm going to guess though that the folks for Penny Arcade were there, or I don't know. No. Um, Who fucking knows? Who fucking knows? Who knows if Penny Arcade is actually at the Penny Arcade Expo? <laughs> I'm gonna assume they were, but whatever. <laughs> That's good. Uh, okay, so uh, did you get to demo any of the video games? Nope. Didn't want to. Okay. I would have taken up just sitting there and like having me play a game while race sits there not playing a game. Sure. You know, for like a half hour. So unless there were multiplayer ones or the co-op ones. Yeah, but then you still have to be like right next to other people playing games. Yeah. Who wants that's that? Not, 
not appealing. No, that is not appealing. Unless it was. It was just like, all right, take a note of the games that I think are interesting and maybe wish list them on Steam. <laughs> yeah, make a, make a wish list. Keep yep. an eye on them for the future. Okay. My well, friend was taking just pictures of the games that he walked by, so he could be like, oh, that looks interesting. Click. Then I'll save that for later. That works okay. Um, yeah. in terms of uh, scale, uh, how many booths would you say were there? Oh dear. Um, a lot. A ballpark's worth or half a ballpark's worth? <laughs> um, I'd probably say one to two hundred. One to two, maybe. Okay. I'm guessing. I'm throwing a very wide estimate out there. I do not know. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to guess that if you had, so if you had a weekend pass, you'd probably still have a pretty full slate. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you want to do any tabletop like tournament or any talks or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, when we went to when we went to B Fig, it was like the one day, so yeah. you gotta like squeeze it all in real fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, even though there were probably about a hundred people there. Um, but uh, okay, well that's good. Is it something that you would consider going to again and actually plan on it? Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. Pro- possibly, depending on the year and monetary situations and things like that. Sure. So. Uh, did you prefer PAX East to Boston Fig? Yeah, uh, I think I liked it more because I wasn't there trying to, like, interview people. Oh, okay. Just from your you personal know? experience. Yeah, it, it was just there having a good time. So it was a bit more oh, that's good. enjoyable and less stressful. Plus, I got to see a friend I haven't seen in a while. That was nice. So, uh, convention. Good. Conventional. Expo, fun. Expositional. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed the exposition, and I and I am glad that you were willing to provide a lot of exposition here on the show. I am glad I could provide the token of inspiration. (laughs) Not sponsored. Moving, moving on. That actually segues a little ways into our one more thing for the day, which is actually about holographic tabletop games. And uh, this was actually something that you brought to my attention uh, a little while ago, and sounds like you might have seen it a little more up close when you were at PAX. Nope. Uh, well, okay, fine. That's right. You didn't really stop it. <laughs> didn't have any. I didn't see any holographic stuff. Oh, there. you didn't see that. It was just like the digital ones where you can lay things. No, down. the gaming tables I saw were all for like tabletop. Oh, they're actual tabletop. Well, they're I mean, actually tables without screens. Okay, this one, however, is actually kind of like for tabletop, but it's like a holographic digital piece. Uh, that is the what they refer to as the AR tabletop gaming platform Tilt 5 uh, that uh, announced a partnership with Asmodee Digital, which you probably know as the Asmodee Group from France, mm-hmm. that they were going to develop a series of holographic tabletop games using augmented reality. Not exactly, you know, the VR, but AR. And the general look and feel of it is, imagine you actually have a game table, but then all of the elements of your game are kind of brought to life three-dimensionally through a holographic display while you're using, like, the the goggles that... Yeah, it's that Pizak thing from Star Wars, I think, right? Uh, 
sure, yeah. I don't remember if that's the name of it. It's the game that has the, the chessboard looking thing with a holographic figures on it looking thing. Uh, that, oh, oh, yeah, that's not Pazak, but it, you, I don't fucking know. Yeah, but it is the, the one that, uh, Chewie insists on winning. Yes, yeah, so let yeah. the Wookiee win. Yeah, you always let the Wookiee win at that, but it's similar to that, but, like, for realsies. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's cool, and I guess the question we really had about it is, like, right now, this is gonna be relatively expensive technology. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be cheap. I mean, you've seen the holographic keyboards they have, right? Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You put it on the goggles, and it's just... No. 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 Holographic keyboards are the ones where they've got the little box that you put on your desk, and it projects a keyboard oh, onto yeah. your desk. It projects the keyboard, and you can And then you can it. actually use... Yeah, you can use it because of how your fingers interact with light. Yeah, those are those are expensive. Uh, you, you can't buy they're them. They're neat. I don't think they're necessarily better uh yeah i i would doubt its effectiveness <laughs> these however are going to be expensive for a little while because new technology usually is but if we assume yeah. if we assume the way other technologies go they will start to become more commonplace and therefore get a lot cheaper um the question i have is do you think that this is the kind of direction that a lot of tabletop users especially once they can start gaming uh closer to each other uh, when we actually do convene more often, is this going to be a good option? I, you know, it depends on the type of game. For instance, um, a traditional board game, I don't think it would be a better option no. necessarily. But maybe for someone who wants to make a strategy game, like a war game, for instance. Mm -hmm. Imagine that you have a holographic tabletop that you can have all the assets you need plugged into. Sure. So my army, I can just project on the tabletop and move it a lot easier than, say, picking up a miniature and moving each time. It'd be a different tactile experience, but perhaps it could be uh, a really interesting way to make it long term, more affordable. Depends off if you have to buy the rights for the fucking armies, I guess, at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, But like, uh, instead of having to have individual miniatures, you know? Sure. Yeah. Or or maybe do it like the amiibo. Okay. Uh, what was the game? Sky Knights, something uh, like that. Oh, uh, Skylanders. Thanks, that one. Mm -hmm. So where you scan the thingy, and maybe you have a holographic tabletop where it, you actually have like uh, sensors. So you put the one thing on the table, and it'll spread out. You know, the rest of the army or buildings around it. You know, that could be neat. Yeah, I can see um, that. Um, but like traditional tabletop, I don't necessarily think it would be better or more commonplace. Um, and I think for RPGs, it could be cool. But then you have a lot of how you get a specific dungeon a tile set or landscape into it yourself. Oh, unless it comes pre-programmed. Yeah. See, this is this is the thing is that if you're doing your home games and you're you're making up the world and you're doing the prep and you want to do that. Um, it is going to be more work because you're probably yeah. going to have to have a design set almost like the CAD system or I guess Roll20 in, in the more modern parlance. Yeah, I don't see that as something more accessible because, sure, there are bunches of people who make their own maps Yeah. Uh, for games. Mm -hmm. But that's one thing. Making your own map and having it rendered digitally? Yeah. 
Um, totally different. What they would have to do is they would have to integrate, if we're talking like Dungeons & Dragons, we'll go to the campaign that we're doing uh, for Ice Spire Peak. And uh, when we went to like Nomengard, and you get into the map, if the if like Wizards was able to provide a uh, chip or something for like the, the digital pack, like the VR pack, uh, that you could use in those for the campaign, and all of those locations are pre-rendered in, and it had like the light sources of where your people could see as they're going in. So like if our characters are like, you know, holographic representations, and we start off at the beginning of Nomengard, and you're trying to kind of like explain what the world is and, and what this cave system is, and we can only see whatever we can see in that world, and as we're able to move the characters in and show where we want to go, the map starts to reveal itself, and the fog of war comes in around where we, we aren't seeing. I mean, that that's not AR at that point. That's VR. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well that's we, like that. That's like yeah. if if wizards were to go. All right, we made just Nomengard in VR. Mm-hmm. And be like, that itself would be a huge undertaking. Yeah. Let alone all the other locations. Yeah. Even in that one specific, like, campaign. We're, right. Well, I mean, I don't need it to be, like, in first person where, like, I'm in my character and I'm, I'm going around. I was thinking more like, uh, like, Warcraft. You know how, like, your, your character will be in Warcraft and you'll uh, illuminate new parts of the map and there'll be stuff behind it? Like, yeah. imagine if you're just, your character was, like, the Arthas or whoever else you, you had in the, that map, and the map itself was rendered as, like, a holographic display for the table. So you could move your characters around that map uh, at almost like they were playing pieces, and uh, the map itself would reveal itself as your characters were going around that map. Yeah, I think, I think this type of thing would be more, better relegated to strategy games. Yeah, and then role playing games. <laughs> well, and, and that, but I'm thinking that because of that, the tactical aspect of when you get into combats, it would be incredibly useful. Uh, sure. Um, I just don't think it would be like I don't think it would be super accessible for that. No, I, I don't think that would help. I think it would be more cluttered then. Oh yeah. It's like all right. Well, now I have to pull up my character sheet. And then tell it I want to do this thing, and then it has to do all the things. Oh, I <clears> see what you're saying. When we actually, you know, have to, well, you know what you'd have to do at that point is similar to the holographic keyboard. You'd have to have a thing where I could like tap my little guy on the head, and his stat sheet comes up. And yeah, <laughs> and, and that is <laughs> infinitely more of a problem. Yeah. Than doing like a strategy war game. Oh, yeah. Where there's so many more variables for an RPG than that, so... It's true. I know, I just think it'd be better for, like, that type of thing than, say, an RPG, because uh, trying to specifically do, like, one terrain yeah. or one zone, as opposed to, like, a battlefield, is they're totally different things. I, um... I would think that it would be handy just for spacing purposes... Like Maybe, but de determining how far a thing is. I mean, we can do that in tabletop just with graph paper, though. You can. Um, I'm just thinking that from a, an aspect of like trying to be there, it might be more 
um, you know, visually appealing to actually kind of get a framework of what the landscape looks like, that kind of thing. Yeah, maybe, but then you've got, you know, some people who would rather just imagine it, and then some people who look at that as a, like, all right, this this table is now fact. And it's oh, like, yeah. eh. And just, there happens to be an artifact, and it's just a stop sign in the corner. You go, okay, that's <laughs> pulling me out of my fantasy. Yeah, it's one of those here. weird, I think it's one of those weird areas. Some people would get really into it, but I don't think most people would. Right. I guess I was mostly just thinking if you could have, like, a holographic version of, like, those uh, miniature pieces that they pull out for some campaigns, you know, with, like, the individual figures for the bad guys, and you have the castle layout or the taverns that they're going in. Sure, sure. I actually saw some of those at PAX Mm -hmm. as a throwback. I didn't even think of that, but I did see, like, some big tables with, like, full scenery like miniature setup sure. for like D&D with all their tile sets and whatever and I was like wow this is gorgeous and I'm like this is also unnecessary yeah yeah like I would would you want to set that up no I wouldn't put it so <laughs> much if there were tiles that were representative like if there were boards so that I, you know we had like a representation of like us on a on a board but i don't really necessarily need the three-dimensional uh yeah th- these were like it's a lot full-on 3d models and really great looking but it's like i don't have room to store this i do not have i'm not, i'm only going to use this so many times right right because like in that instance it's like what do you buy like individual like tile sets you like sure. I know for like Warhammer and stuff, it's like when you start building scenery, it's like all right, I've got a box of scenery, and then it's like I just rearrange it or the scenery on the table each time, or you just have like a board that is just that board, and you do not change anything on it ever, and it is always just the same battlefield. It's one or the other. Right. You don't usually have interchangeable and sculpted like that. Yeah. And it's usually just set pieces. It's, it looks really nice, but it's like, again, you have to store it. Mm-hmm. And you have to uh, have enough times you want to use it. So like a cityscape, for instance, in sure. D&D, if you had that in a, in a real model, you'd have to be like, all right, here's here's a city. And it's like, all right, well, I'm just going to use these buildings every time then because I bought them and I want to get my money's worth out of them or sure. I built them. Um, for the holographic one, at least then potentially you'd get more variety in use of it but i, I don't know it's it's a weird area yeah i i think the tech would have to come a really long way to make it like usable and ideal yeah I, i'm i'm just wondering if this is the kind of thing that gets lapped because i i would think that the next evolution of it might actually be vr where you can actually step into your character in a world that's been, you know, built in, like, three dimensions, and then you can just, like, have your stats for your character, like an RPG, but built as a... And that doesn't seem like it's all that far off, and probably the thing a lot of players would be interested in doing, uh, to feel like they're more in the action. So, I I don't know. And uh, also, that kind of thing is something that you could still do remotely with a crew, and all have your sort of like an MMO, but for your own game and your your right. own tabletop experience. So it's probably basically it's not probably something that we're picking up. 
Mm, no. It's it's going to probably not be. Uh, but you know what? Hey, if anybody listening to this is uh, thinking that they might want to pick it up, I'd be very interested to know. And if you want to leave a comment down below and tell me what you think the usefulness of this is and if it's uh, something that you would consider picking up. And also, the big question that I have for everybody out there is, what price would you feel you would be willing to pay? For $2. $2. Um, yeah, I guess I'll, get you, so I'll get you 10 chicken McNuggets. You'll get me 10 chicken McNuggets, which is $2. <laughs> I think they're like four, but close enough. Close enough. Okay, five chicken McNuggets. Wouldn't Single be, chicken McNugget dropped on the floor twice. Wouldn't it be amazing if our new form of currency was just all how many chicken McNuggets does it? <laughs> well, then McDonald's would be rich. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But no, you just, you just, how much is the house? Uh, 550 chicken McNuggets. <laughs> Doable. 550,000 chicken McNuggets. It's the barter system. It's the barter system all Just over. Just get someone that's hungry enough and yeah, exactly. offer to buy their house with chicken McNuggets. It seems like a really good idea to have your entire barter system be on something that's perishable. <laughs> yes. Right. I mean, are they perishable? It's McDonald's food. That's true. Like the Taco Bell tacos. You can just leave them. To, yeah, they'll, they'll be worth the same amount forever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's good. We, we, that's what you need for the holographic tables is just like uh, a virtual Taco Bell and you have to bring people up to the taco. Yeah. Great. I love it. You use real tacos for your pieces and they'll never go bad. It's good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that has done it for this episode of Total Pebble Knockdown, um, which is so full of pebbles that we can't even fit them on a holographic table. And There's going to be a meme right there. It needs to be the slap set of car. This episode's so full of pebbles, you can't even fit it on a table. Yeah, you can't Make fit the meme. it into a convention hall. <laughs> and you know what? It might have been responsible for Bethesda Net going down. <laughs> it just Probably. got full of rocks. The whole system got full of rocks. So that's what happened. So anyway, the Total Pebble Knockdown, destroying everything in its wake with pebbles. Uh, but Alex, if po people would like to know where they could find more Total Destruction uh, with pebbles, where could they go? Um, Cry Quarry. Okay, uh, we broadcast from there. Yeah, we're quarrying our way down. Uh, you can go to TotalPebbleKnockdown.com where all of our content is currently sitting waiting for you to explore that's absolutely right and somebody needs to visit the website click on those things no one else does and no holographic table is required you know we need to do a special where we actually do this in a quarry we, we film an episode in a quarry well there's one up by you that's true that's true we just have to make sure that they're not blasting that day i don't think they use the quarry anymore so no not that one Anyway, I'll also do my Citanium Mines there. That will also be fun. Um, so uh, when you go there, you can also find our Patreon banner and click on that. We uh, launch full video episodes of the show before the individual ones or even the podcast version even launch. So worth seeing, as well as some additional premium content, i.e. the crap that didn't make it into the regular show. And Our ridiculousness. Full display. Oh, that's right. It's like the behind the scenes, but uh, it's behind the camera. It's all digital. 
Ooh, like a hologram. Mm. If you ever wanted to see us in hologram form, too bad, not happening. But you not know, yet. Any, any not yet. Yeah, that's that's a that's a stretch goal for a Patreon, right? Um, we'll make holographic versions of ourselves that you can put into your own games. That's great. Uh, and uh, you can. You can also find us on every podcast app known to mankind, including Anchor. And if you are over on Anchor, feel free to leave us a voice clip because we may even uh, discuss it on the show. Uh, and you can also find us on social media. I'm at Satanium. I am at EXP Limited. And the show is over at Pebble Knockdown. Pebble Knockdown, indeed. So... From all of us here at the Total Pebble Knockdown family. I thought you were going to say Total Pebble Knockdown Studios. I was going to be like, oh, I don't think that's the name of it. <laughs> Total Pebble Knockdown Studios. That's great. I, I, I fancy Total Pebble Knockdown Productions. Total Production Knockdown. Kind of. Perfect. Total Peb Production. We're, instead of pre-production, you're in Peb Production. Because we're producing pebbles. Little pebbles of knowledge that we keep, of information that we keep throwing at you, pinging you. Until whatever that was happens. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you on the next episode. Goodbye for now. Bye. Pax, are we just going to do that as a delving deeper? It's not One more thing. Of, oh, okay. We're, we can do it in the middle. It's fine. Oh, okay. We'll have two more, have... more things. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll have two more more things because we were doing. Uh, we can do it as a weekly muse. Oh. What's uh? What's Bethesda? Bethesda is the soapbox. <laughs> is Bethesda just a soapbox? You know, I mean, it's a redux of the too many launchers. And what was too many launchers? Uh, I think too many launchers was the one more thing. Why is it everything we want to talk about is either a weekly muser or one more thing? We can just do like we did for the April Fool's episode and have it delving deep, deep, deeper and deepest. You know what you do? We'll have one more thing, two more things, and three more things. <laughs> one more one more thing, one more think. One more things. <laughs> one more things. Yeah. One more thing, two more thing, and three more things. <laughs> <laughs>